can't think of any more human activity than conducting science experiments. The game I play is a very interesting one. It's imagination in a tight straitjacket. The beauty of a living thing is not the atoms that go into it, but the way those atoms are put together. What I always think should be the basis of education is not answers, but questions. We should teach kids how to question. Gentlemen, welcome to Lab Coat Stalker. I guess the the fun thing about this uh, today is we've got two cameras: camera one, camera, camera two. two. <laughs> Get a, my friend. <laughs> um, now we have two ways of looking at Alex's pretty face. Exactly. Next edition, we'll have to get like a little light globe and get somebody to like change camera, and we'll just like both turn at the same time oh, and start yeah. talking to this get camera. Out. And look really professional, then like, and then turn to this one. And look at this camera. Oh yeah, Mr. Fucking. We always film this in the mornings, and I'm like so sleepy. Sunday mornings, hey. We're like such nerds. We show up to uni on the weekends. I told I told our supervisor, he's like, so how was your weekend? I'm like, yeah, well, I spent it at uni, and you know, I usually do. Yeah. I do other stuff as well, but I, I like to spend at least a day just making sure I do everything uh, in in preparation for the week. And there's always shit to do, like yeah, this podcast exactly. stuff. And, and he goes, he goes, he looks at me, he goes, that's sad, Hamid. Damn, I thought you'd be like, man, Hamid, you're such a hard worker. Even on the weekends, you show up and you do your shit. Yeah. But not, nah, he just like scooped up some shit and he goes, yeah. To your efforts. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I took the kids for a bike ride yesterday, so that was good. I haven't had like a day off, a full day off in a long time. Really? It was nice. Yeah. Well, you finished writing your thesis and you submitted it. Yep. Last week. Monday. Still have jobs to do, but yeah. Yeah. Just doing his PhD scholarship now. Uh, so, but life is good. Now you're done. The stress of getting a. Yeah, PhD. exactly. The big stress is over. Yeah. So. Just focus on little jobs. We should talk about Tom. Tom, yeah. As usual. Very good. Very good interview. Nice discussion. I thought one of the most interesting things he talked about was this uh, difference between lobbying and protesting. You can probably touch on that a bit. Yeah, it was actually quite interesting because I do see a lot of like um, protests. And personally, I haven't been involved in protesting. Um, you didn't go to the march. No, you didn't go to the I march didn't. for science. Dude, I didn't. I went to the march for science. Tell me how it was. It's pretty lame, to be honest. <laughs> that, that's why I don't go. I've been, I've that's been to better protests. Go. Yeah, no, I've been to better protests before. Go. There were some funny signs. Don't ask me to remember any. But yeah, there were some funny signs, which was good. Um, but there was no chanting. Yeah. There was no, yeah. yeah. It was very, it was very low key. <laughs> A march around the block type of thing. Was it? Yeah. I mean, they should have uh, stopped the highway. Because I also went when I was really, really young to a uh, protest against what was his name? Was it Jacques, Jacques Chirac or something? Who was an old uh, French president and he was um, testing nuclear bombs in like 
Muro Atoll, which is like off the coast of kind of Australia, a decent way. But um, so there was lots of protests, mainly in Australia and stuff about it. So I went to one of those and that was way more interesting. Right. But maybe it was just because I was younger as well. But yeah, no, science, uh, the walk for science, march for science was a bit... Loki. Yeah, sleep for science. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, it was. Well, no, it was good. I, yeah. I'm all for the cause, but yeah. it was like, if you can imagine how scientists do a protest, that's how they do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how they do it. Orderly, civilized, <laughs> yeah. no music involved. Walking quietly, Walking quietly, listening to people talk about interesting subjects. <laughs> and then, <laughs> no, there were some funny signs, though, yeah. But, but the, yeah, my point was I don't go to protests. I don't know, maybe because I just don't see the utility of it. Uh, you know, I just, I, I think that people respond less to um, protests than they do with a general, like a good conversation. So if I'm yelling, mm. you know, this is what we should do, blah, blah, blah. People are going to be less receptive to that um, because I'm just yelling and shouting and protesting. Whereas lobbying on that, this is why I think protesting's I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It definitely has utility, and it in the past it's definitely yeah. There's been some very like important protests. important protests that have actually yeah yeah. But don't don't like I'm not devaluing or demeaning any of that. Um, but what, what was I going to say? But uh, I think I well, Tom's point about lobbying you're getting at Tom's point about lobbying how. I kind of, the way I kind of see it is they, they achieve different kind of things. So it depends on what you're trying to achieve. And lobbying, I think, in a lot of cases can get stuff done where you work with people and try and convince them of your position and get them to fight on your behalf and that type of stuff. Hold on to that thought. I was going to say, that's why you don't see oil companies protesting, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if yeah. it was super effective. Well, that, that you know, in a might yeah. You'd see the oil companies, <laughs> yeah. you'd see all these other companies protesting. You don't. They've also they, got the money to lobby, though. Gee, that's my yeah, point. Yeah. Lobbying is way more effective. Yeah, if you've, if you've got the money to if do you've it. you've got the money. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah so, but what were you saying well, that gets back to what eric is a bit of a tangent but that gets back to what eric was saying as well about um how how most of the people accept that climate change is a thing most people want to do something about it but the politicians aren't voting to do anything about it yeah. so if the most of people want to do something why doesn't the political people who are supposed to represent us why aren't they doing anything about it that's where lobbying would come in. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they're getting massive donations from people who have vested interests in it. Sure. And, yeah. and just to, I mean, these politicians, as Tom was indicating, you know, um, I've always had a skeptical eye for politicians. I, why isn't this working, by the way? Ah, what the hell? Okay. I've always had a skeptical eye towards politicians. I mean, just look at Afghanistan. I mean, the... the when I look at their politicians, they all sound well and good un- until they get in power and then, boom, nothing changes. It's the same shit. Yeah. Everybody's working for own benefit. I mean, the president of Afghanistan, his brother was caught, like, dealing heroin and getting paid by the CIA. I mean, that's just cr- crazy shit like that, right? Mm. So, but what was, but yeah. to make this point, but what was interesting is that Tom was saying that a lot of these politicians, at least in Australia, who get into politics, ha- have a, like, they do want to make. They want to make a difference. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with him on difference. that. Yeah. yeah, and what's interesting is that maybe the policies that they are pushing is th- they don't know uh, any better because 
uh, sorry, maybe the policies they are pushing is because they don't know any better. If they're always hearing one side of the story, which is the lobbyists from the oil companies, and, and then that's the story you're going to be convinced by, right? Mm. Where if you get a balanced view, um, and this is what Tom's trying to do, actually talk and educate to these, uh, talk to these politicians and educate them on the science and what they can do and, and the consequences of, of apathy and inactivity, then, then what happens is that they can take all that on board and say, oh, wow, it's, it's not as simple as I thought it was, you know, because you might be the well, best well-intentioned person on earth, but if you're given false information, if, you're surroundings, yeah. Yeah, if your surroundings are reinforcing that false information, then you're really a victim of your environment. Mm. Uh, and a politician, just like any other person, has a nine-to-five job or probably even longer, they don't have all the time to go and read the science behind it. They don't yeah, have exactly. That like I can't, I can't read all the science behind like how geochemistry works. I don't, I don't know shit. I rely on experts. Mm. But if all the experts were telling me that geochemistry was bullshit, then I'd be inclined to believe that geochemistry was bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you, and I kind of agree with Tom too. That from what I see, most most politicians are kind of well intentioned. They're doing what they think is right. Um, and what they think is right is based on who they talk to and, and what they learn. Um, but I can't help but feeling there's a little bit, they're also a little bit trapped by the system, right? Because they, they have to work within a system, otherwise their power becomes mute, yeah? Mm. So if you're a politician and you want to get elected, you have to do things that the public want. But you also have to weigh that up against things for the political party you work for because if you don't have a political party that's going to sponsor you you're not going to have the money to get elected so you might be this really well-intentioned person but if you disregard and speak against the people who are donating money to your party they're not going to get elected you're not going to be able to do it make any changes so it's, it's almost like the system as well is also set up against yeah. against people really doing what they think is good it's like a system that improves gradually you can't make vast improvements in short amounts of time because yeah. it's almost like a buffering system, right? So if uh, there's all these buffering mechanisms that prevent you from making huge changes, it's good and bad. It's, it's, like, yeah. it's good in the sense that you don't get crazy uh, regimes and, and crazy yeah. ideologies getting at the top and messing up the country but it's bad because if there's progress an issue, is slow yeah, yeah. If there's an issue progress is slow and if it's an issue that we need to act fast on like climate change and then yeah ages. it takes perhaps generate like a generation where all all politicians have to kind of die di yeah <laughs> die yeah <laughs> so that the next generation can take over um this reminds me of, of of a book that i that i read when i was when i say young i mean like Four years younger, five years younger, but still nonetheless younger. It's called um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, written by Dale Carnegie. It's a really phenomenal book. It, it talks about or it explores the psychology of human interaction, um, how you can get to a person, actually get them to understand your message and, and for them to act on that uh, message. Um, and a lot of it really is what Tom is using. You know, he's having these dialogues and conversations. And I think at one point he said that, you know, there are certain politicians that have been more challenging than others. And, and he goes, it's really encouraging to, to see them, uh, you know, us talking at the beginning and them being very resistant. Um, 
and then through the course of the conversation you know over several meetings they find themselves more receptive and more open to what tom is yeah that's good telling them and that's really um that's really encouraging that that even though uh what was i gonna say yeah that's really encouraging because you know even though we have lobbyists uh from from the oil side the oil companies um if you talk to per, to a politician or to a person at a human level and you get them to try to understand your perspective and i, I would recommend anyone to actually check out that book because it's phenomenal it's all about uh, mind fucking people in a good way i mean <laughs> in a good way it actually makes you more compassionate and understanding of other human beings i remember reading that book and thinking oh man like I wish I knew this ten years ago, because mm-hmm. social interactions would have been so much, <coughs> so much better. Um, um, but anyway, it, it's interesting because his story kind of reminded me of that book and, and, and the utility of that book. Yeah. So anyone who wants to make friends <coughs> and influence people, definitely read that. It's interesting as well. Um, just getting back to what we were saying about uh, slow, slow progress. Uh-huh. <coughs> it would be good, I think, if we could somehow make uh laws that <coughs> prevented like political parties from don uh, sorry mining companies and things like this oil companies donating to political parties mm. uh but i guess the same people who are voting on the climate change issue and whether to do anything will be the people who are voting whether to not accept donations anymore <laughs> so it's like this catch 22 because yeah. i think the greens have tried to get in some policies like that as well saying like you know we want to stop like mining companies donating to political parties so then they can't influence people's decisions political parties decisions on climate change but of course to get a policy like that through you have to convince the same people who are right, not doing them. anything because they're getting the, <laughs> the money from mining companies yeah. so it's a little bit of a catch-22 yeah i don't know how yeah that's interesting it's, like you say sometimes you just get a you know Wait until a whole generation dies. <laughs> but it, Get it, some it, real change on it, that issue. It shows, I mean, the complexity of the system. Yeah, Lobbying can be a bad thing, like when the mining companies do it. Hmm. So they influence policy and, and the laws and regulations in favor of their company and what they want to, you know, in their profits. Um, but it can also be a good thing because it, it means that the government is aware of what the people want. Yeah, And yeah. I think that's what lobbying was initially established for, right? It was to uh, for ordinary citizens to organize themselves and to lobby the government to, do, to take certain actions. Mm. Where it's gotten weird is when these companies put millions, if not billions of dollars to influence policy and, and laws and regulations so that they can get a tax break or they don't have to follow <coughs> certain rules and regulations. In fact, uh, it's interesting because these big companies, and this isn't restricted to Australia, in America in particular, what they do is they, they lobby governments to pass laws and regulations which prevent new companies from getting into the market. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, So you make exactly. it way harder for competition to get yeah. into it. Uh, whereas like previously it m- you might require a million dollars and some initial investment to start I don't know, a mm. bank or whatever now you might need a billion dollars yeah so how many people can actually get into it you mm. know what i mean so again they they trying to, trying to create a monopoly, monopoly. Yeah, yeah exactly so. and, and that that stuff's bad for progress right so i think it's sensible trying to have policy that stops that type of stuff it stops private business from like influencing policy but then <clears throat> this kind of segues nicely into another point i thought we could raise about how 
capitalism <clears throat> in the sense we've been talking isn't necessarily always bad because the solution to problems like climate change could very well come from capitalism. Mm. Uh, and, and this touches way back to our first episode when we had Sandy on, who's talking about how you could develop, oh, like, oh, yeah, you're so gritty because it was such a perfect segue. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when we had Sandy on, and he was talking about how developing products or a way to sell a technology that pulls carbon out of the atmosphere as well mm. could be. Um, one solution that people could seriously look at and it, and it may very well come from that as well you know someone develops a product or works out a way of turning uh taking carbon out of the atmosphere into big money yeah i'm, I'm hopeful I man i think when humans are i don't i don't know i'm not necessarily hopeful that we should wait until that happens before we start reducing our carbon <laughs> impact but you're right i i'm kind of hopeful to an extent that i think i think that these types of technologies do do come about and there's people looking into this type of stuff yeah, for sure. I, I think Tom, I heard Tom talk about this in a different interview. He was saying that the technologies, most of the technologies exist that we can utilize, but the problem is it's the policy, it's the governments. Uh, you were talking about um, actual clean energy and things. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Clean energy is like, it's there. Yeah. All that's missing is government saying yep and yeah. putting money towards it. Uh, Isn't really. that weird, man? Like, but what's there's an, like, what's like the government could quite easily say every single new house in Australia has to be covered in solar panels. Could quite easily make a yeah. rule like that. Um, and then, yeah, that would be expensive for first home buyers. But you know, um, in the long run, that money's going to make itself back, yeah, and they can sure. offer rebates and things. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there a European country? Was it Sweden or Switzerland? One of those uh, European countries. Um, I think they were planning to go carbon neutral by like 2030 or something crazy like that. Yeah. Or some, like they won't I think Germany, I think by 2050, they want to be carbon neutral. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the whole country. That's pretty good. It is pretty good. But yeah, in terms of capitalism, I think that's, I'm hopeful that, you know, the, the desire to make money and the pressure that humans feel like they, they might feel cornered, you know, in, in this, and that's when mm. we're the most, um, uh, that's when, when I can't even come up with this word that's when humans can be the most creative right that's when you when your back is turned uh, against the wall you're in the corner that's why a lot of like great inventions come from war mm. you know during war there's so much well money. there's a push to, to invest in it then yeah, so people like all a, of a sudden you've a, got something to invest in and they put heaps of money in it it just shows you the power of money money yeah. and but also the power of when you when you know your survival depends on you finding a solution you're going to find yeah. that solution most likely because you're going to be really driven to do that um but yeah yeah i don't know something else over here, uh, I have, we have lots of things we might have been talking about but i don't know i've been going on for a bit what actions are good We've gone for 18 minutes, dude. Yeah. We're talking before we started. Me and Alex got into a heated debate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, save this shit for the podcast. Save it for the podcast. He just couldn't help it, man. Yeah. He, just, he just wanted to prove me wrong so bad. I forget what it was. Didn't we have a couple of heated debates? Yeah, I forget which one it was. No, let's talk about the protest one. So, Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. we're getting back to like, yeah, lobbying versus protesting. Yeah. But not lobbying, but just in particular protesting. Like, I, I don't know. I think the conversation went along the lines of like... I, I, I mentioned something uh, that happened like a couple of years back. Some people on the highway, uh, like stopping, like peak hour traffic and start singing or whatever. 
And I'm like, that's ridiculous. And you're like, well, why is it ridiculous? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous because you're stopping peak hour traffic. You know, there might be ambulances, people going to hospitals, those people are going to die. Um, yeah. And, but you're like, is it ridiculous because the cause or the action itself is ridiculous? Yeah, is stopping, so, is stopping traffic in itself inherently ridiculous? Or is it dependent on the reason why you're stopping the traffic? And I think that's, and I think we actually agreed in the end that well, it was dependent on the cause, didn't we? Nah, bro. So, so if you're, uh, if you're uh, stopping traffic because you got a parking ticket and you're pissed off at the council, and that's probably not a sufficient cause to be stopping traffic for, and then you're an idiot. <laughs> okay, but stopping the, traffic is then ask, stupid. Sure. Can I ask you if somebody <clears throat> dies? Um, we won't even name any political movements because then it gets squirrely. But let's say somebody gets shot by a police officer and you start protesting that. Uh, and the way you protest it is on a highway, you stop pick out traffic, there are three ambulances on that highway and those three people die. Yeah, I think it depends again as well. Like why are you protesting? Just because one person got shot? Let's say three people got shot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know. I think it depends on what your cause is, and this is where actually probably where we got into that. What is good, which we wrote down, is because we had down here. Uh, is it the actions that make it good? So is protesting because three people got shot, and then protesting, and that leads to three people dying. Is it the actions of the people dying that makes that protest good or wrong, or is it the consequences? Sorry, of the the actions would be the actual protest, but is it the consequences? So three people died and you protest that and another three people died, so the consequences, therefore, it's wrong? Or does intention have something to do with it as well? Mm. So if your intent is to fight something like institutionalized racism or something like that, then does that have any play about your ethics? Does that come into the... And, and it's an interesting question. Like what... I, think, I don't think you can make a statement about whether an action like that is right or wrong mm. unless you first kind of do a bit of, let's call it, moral epistemology ethical epistemology where you're trying to work out what is good how do we determine what is good and once you've got a basis for determining if things are right or wrong then you can use that basis to make the call yeah i, I think you raise a good point in terms of your intentions and the consequences hmm. the problem with focusing on the consequences is that you don't know what the consequences yeah, are going to be that's right and it might not and it might not always be clear-cut right like there's probably some examples where you could like debate is it an ethical protest or isn't it an ethical protest for a long time and you might not reach an answer um, so yeah even in retrospect hmm. when you're looking at let's say that protest when you're looking at the consequences, it, that may not be a clear, as you said, a clear answer. Mm. Intentions, are, I mean, you can be a well-intentioned person trying to, like, let's say, uh, do good, but then the consequences can be really bad as well. That's right, yeah. And a lot of people, like, look at war. Like, in uh, World War Two, the Allies, um, the Allies bombed the shit out of Berlin. Yeah, like absolutely decimated it. Like um, the bombings of London were really bad, but that was actually nothing compared to how much uh, Berlin was bombed and killed lots of innocent German people. But then what was their intent? <coughs> you, know? you look at the side's intentions. So, so the consequences, if you're just judging consequences, then England's the bad guy in World War Two, right? Because they killed more people. Yeah. But it, when you actually take into consideration their intentions, one one uh, 
tyrannical leader was trying to take over the world and the others were trying to stop him take over the world. Mm. So when you look at their intentions, then all of a sudden that just so happened that one side killed more than the other side becomes actually irrelevant. Yeah, that that's, uh, I wouldn't say irrelevant. It's, it's definitely, yeah, I agree with you. Um, intent in that sense is very important because it, that's how you, yeah, if, if a person's intent is to take over the world and, and just you uh, do euthanasia and... and sorry, yeah, I got to talk nice and close to you. Maybe I should raise it again. Yeah, but there's... The, the thing is, you know, when you talk about bombing cities, that in itself, you have to consider that an ethical, moral thing to do. Well, that's where, that's where the intent comes in. Like, it could be a, a, mor- a moral and ethical thing to do. If in what sense? If you're targeting, what, factories that produce ammo... Um, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that that well, we're still talking about consequences then. But even just as far as intentions, what do you mean? Yeah, if your intent is to uh, uh, stop German support for Hitler, yeah, then bombing civilians will stop German support That's for scary, Hitler. That's scary, dude. I, yeah. I don't agree with that. He's he's another. Can I propose another thing that happened in World War One? So in World War One. It, it started off really, really like the death toll was huge initially, and then it started to stale, like um, just to plateau a little bit, yeah. Mm. And people were making this argument that if we make the war really horrible, if a lot of people die really quickly, if we just like in like cause such a um, massive loss of life, it will deter any future. Um, battles so that we could yeah. actually sh- shorten the war this was a, a logical argument that people would propose generals and whatever let's make it like as 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 do the as most horrific things we can just quickly yeah, yeah, yeah. so so we will use these bombs kill these many people just make it so that no one can bear it any longer than like a few months but the truth is that's not how it happened yeah, yeah. all those people died and it still went on mm. for like four years right yeah so Killing in some people because your intent is to prevent, like, a, a dictator taking over, you, you have to be very, yeah, very yeah. I, I'm not necessarily saying that that's that the justifies it. No, no. I'm just saying that that would it's an intention where you could you could say they have a good intention there. Their good their intention is to end and somebody taking over the world they're looking for the long-term sure, future now i don't think their actions are justified because there's other ways like you say like like targeting non-civilians and things like that which can have the same effect yeah but um but it just gets this question of intentions doesn't it yeah but then it, that would be like the first layer and there's all these other things that you have yeah, to consider yeah. you know how many civilian lives is it worth to take down hitler how many yeah, babies exactly, is yeah. it worth to kill before Hitler, like, so that we can prevent this person taking over? Yeah, they're interesting questions. Like, and then if you say, oh, a million, well, or even 10, or even one, then consider your own children. Hmm. How many of those are you willing to give up just to prevent Hitler from taking yeah, over? Yeah. You know, it's easy to make these sort of moral uh, judgments. But even those questions doesn't are hard, involve, aren't they? Even, yeah, those, like, we, even because they're, they're not just a clear no either. Even like a million, you could you could make the argument that if Hitler had won World War Two, um, that the world would be so totally different now, it wouldn't be worth living in, and that you know you could make these types of arguments that it would be even worth ten million lives. Yeah, 
so it's 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 a yeah. difficult one to call because you it's hard to know what's going to happen in the future and that's why intent is always this shaky ground right like it's hard to weigh up people's intentions we know that they matter right mm-hmm. but it's, it's ha- not everything it's hard it's not everything and and it's hard to weigh up because you don't know what the future is going to inhold so people might be pro- stopping traffic and resulting in the death of somebody because they stopped an ambulance yeah. but in their minds that's worth that's worth it because they're seeing you know something horrible happening in the future or something that they're really passionate fighting against now you know, so, so it's, yeah. it's hard it's a hard thing to weigh up you know I was listening to Radio Lab which is a great podcast you should check it out um, on this episode there, there's this guy his name's Fred I forget his last name but what happened was in World War 2 when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor the US government um, what they did was they moved all the Japanese people from the west coast um, and I think moved them into like camps, concentration camps. Uh, and this this dude, this Japanese dude, he was literally almost, I think he was born there. He was like the third son of this family, uh, Japanese family. Um, but w- what the point I was trying to make, the, the gist of this is essentially the, the US president at that time um, and the government passed a law where they could actually take citizens, people who were born in the US, people who had um, Japanese heritage and and you know put them into camps mm-hmm. um, and h- his intent over there and and I mean on the on the grand scheme of things you have to do things for defense right you have to protect your country especially if you're at war with Japan at that time you, you might have this real worry of you know what if those uh, the Japanese people in our country starts to corroborate and, and organize some sort of takeover of, of the US with Japan, you know. Um, and so your intent might be, a, let's prevent that. But at the same time, there are other consequences, human consequences. Yeah, yeah. And this guy, you have to consider those, con- yeah, those consequences. For sure. And this guy, I mean, his whole life, like he, his family was, you know, on the, on the West Coast. They had, a, they had a shop. They were well established. He had a girlfriend. He had a whole life, dude. All that got uprooted. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, they got moved into a camp. And he actually sued the U.S. government and took it all the way to the Supreme Court for being, di- like, discriminated against because he had Japanese heritage. And he lost that court case because, you know, uh, they just said that uh, uh, when it comes to a matter of um, national security, like, it's worth it. Mm. You know what I mean? But what was interesting was that some, some Muslim kids... Um, when he was talking about this, because he didn't want to talk about it for years, because it was just a painstaking, just a horrific, like the the camps. I mean, let me just paint what type of um, environment was the camps that he, his family, in him and all the J- Japanese people stayed at. Like had holes. It was like a barn essentially, and and those Japanese family literally like patched the holes with newspaper with dirt and blah blah blah. And as he was suing the American government. The Japanese community ostracized him because they didn't want to, because they were scared. They're like, what if we make the government angry and then hmm. they might retaliate and make our living circumstances and our lives even more difficult? So he was really isolated, alone. His girlfriend left him. The government told him essentially in the Supreme Court case that, yeah, your, your feelings of, of, you know, wanting to belong, all that is jack shit. Um, uh, 
and but instead we're going to focus on national defense but the point was that it's interesting because more recently uh, and that that law still stands in america so if they decided to bring it back on the muslims in america they could definitely do that shit. they mm. could definitely round up all the muslims um, because they might say, oh, there's some sort of ideological war that's going on and put them in concentration camps. And they have precedence on that, right? And so morality is sweet, ethics is sweet, but it, it, it almost kind of falls like people don't worry about it as much when it comes to their survival. Mm. It's kind of weird. And the kind of, I was listening to it coming here, I'm like, dude, that's scary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. You have to, I don't know, it's hard then, isn't it? You have to really kind of hope that um, the system has things that prevent that type of stuff in it. So you have to hope that lawyers, constitutional lawyers and things like that can fight and kind of get those things so they we avoid that type of stuff. Which has happened, right, as well. Because there was that whole thing with uh, the Muslim ban that Trump did earlier on, which I don't think got quotes? through. Because it wasn't specifically a Muslim ban. It what was, was it? He banned immigration from a lot of Muslim majority countries. But whatever. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah. Um, but that got that got <laughs> that got uh, that got fought in the in I think it was the Supreme Court yeah. um, by constitutional lawyers, and I, and I don't think it's gotten through yet. So. Didn't like a, a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's like what I'm saying. So you, you're right. Those things are scary that it could possibly happen, and you can see that there's ways that it could happen. But will it actually happen? I don't know. I don't think Definitely. so. Well, the people who were actually being interviewed for this, like lawyers and experts and constitutional, whatever, they were saying, "Yeah, this is definitely going to happen again." If the hmm. US reaches a point where they fear national security or like their defense. Of course, yeah, they're going to yeah. round up people if they if they get to that. Yeah, maybe. yeah. just like they they did in in nineteen forty yeah. forty one forty two forty five wherever it was. I forget. But Pope now Pope. today in the way it's stated is now I don't see it oh, necessarily no. happening like that. You should watch The Walking Dead, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I I would totally agree with you until I watched The Walking Dead. My whole perspective on what like how quickly a person's morals and ethics can shift when their survival is you know on on the line. It's just amazing, dude. You know, things that we consider like people would never do. When you're when your children are hungry, it's like Lord of the Flies. I haven't watched Lord of the Flies. It's a book. Isn't there a movie? Or, or oh, there's probably a movie too. I think there actually. I think there is a movie, a black and white movie. There might even be a new movie of it. I don't know. Yeah, watched same it. type of thing. What's it about? Uh this boys' school is traveling by plane over the Pacific Ocean or something, and they crash. And all the kids from the boys' school, like high school age kids, just get put on this island, a desert island, and they just have to survive and stuff. That's basically this it. This is just all boys? Yeah. Oh, they just shit. go crazy. And they form gangs and stuff. And yeah, yeah it's interesting. Mm, that's scary. Anyway. Anyway, that's 34 <clears throat> minutes of us. That's way too much. On. That's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> People are just going to be hitting their fast forward button. Oh. <laughs> nah, man, I, I hope not. Uh, yeah, well, we got to start writing our stuff anyway. Got to write an article and you got to do shit. So cool. We, we better get to that. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for watching. And to you too. Hey, 
Um, don't forget to like our Facebook page, share it with a friend, uh, and let us know what you think of these post chat shows because we've we're doing them separately. Yeah. And if you enjoy them, let us know. Yeah. yeah. Let us know. Comments, rate, review. Yeah. Yeah. See you later. Mm-hmm.